This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Get ready to fall back into good hygiene and impeccable grooming with Manscaped. Join the two million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with promo code LASERTIME. Chris Kattan gets a movie, Steve Martin's Big Year a Decade Ago, and Ernest Stupid Scared, this week on 302010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a rip-roaring journey across three decades. Hello, I'm one of your hosts. Chris Antista, who else is with me today? I'm Diana Goodman, and I think since we are officially in the darkest timeline, we should all have evil <laughs> goatees, and you can wear these felt ones until your real ones grow in. Ooh. Thank you. I needed that. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Sarah. I thought that was I a... just My goatee's coming in so slowly, you guys. Like a little Tom. I can get the mustache and a soul patch, and that's... <laughs> Ooh, that is the darkest timeline. <laughs> I just, I just, it just hurts to shave. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Many thanks to our patrons, patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, just, Justin Allen, one of our executive producers, all the other fine people. Thanks to everybody this week. Thanks to my co-host. Thanks to my parents. Thanks to uh, many, many nurses. This show is late and everybody managed to reconvene inconveniently because I succumbed to an emergency appendectomy like 30 minutes before we recorded and spent the next 24 hours in a wonderful hospital journey. I have to imagine this. there'll be a bonus time on patreon.com slash laser time about it. It's a very silly story, but I'm very much still in pain and very much uh, on pills. So this is going to be a weird one. <laughs> and, and it affected my research for this episode in wonderfully fun ways. How are you? Again, thanks to Diana and Sarah for coming back together and helping get the show out. Sorry it's late. But I don't know that I, this is definitely an excuse I can't use again. <laughs> True, yeah. you only get one. You get one of these. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was possible that we were just going to do uh, just the all ladies show, mm -hmm. but uh, there is a movie here that I know you'd be upset if, if mm -hmm. you didn't get to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, I, 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 I yeah, but it was almost a situation where like just have Michael come in and uh, do this if he can't. But you know, um, I'm very happy to do it and happy to be here. But I guess you get started because like now the nurses prescribed me stool softener so i might be dealing with the whole bigger problem here it really sucks when you get an operation on your abdomen because all those things you like to do every couple of hours in the bathroom all require you to strain those parts of your muscles and it mm -hmm. hurts so bad oh but uh yep. never mind no more of that stuff you listen to video game apocalypse this week because i rarely give myself the mvp award but within 24 <laughs> hours of surgery on no sleep i was like i gotta talk about metroid dread <laughs> let's do it, it was it was so uncomfortable and i, I we were gonna do this show then too but then i was like yeah. there's no way this no, hurts no so way. much this hurts so much patrons everybody's really nice i've just never got that kind of support for anything before um Aww. that was also very nice so thanks to everybody for that and especially our patrons patreon.com let's get to the show uh, this week we'll be talking about October 8th to the 14th and across three decades, 1991, 2001, and 2011. Let's start as we always do in 1991. Uh, Nobel Peace Prize is awarded to Ong San Suu Kyi. And I think I said that correctly. 
Wow. Make you Percocet. You did. You said that oh. correctly. And oh, this is one of those that's come under scrutiny in the last couple of years because uh, on Aung San Suu was the opposition leader, pro-democracy leader in Myanmar slash Burma. Oh and she's under house arrest for a jillion years and got all these humanitarian awards. And then she finally got out and she got to be in charge. And then they started massacring the Rohingya Muslims. Oh. And a lot of groups have taken those prizes back. But there isn't a way, like, they literally, the Nobel Committee had to say, we don't have a mechanism for taking people's awards away. Mm. So we're not going to. But even, like, Desmond Tutu, who also won the Nobel Peace Prize, is like, what the fuck are you doing? You're supposed to be about human rights, you <laughs> bastards. I'm, and I'm then, happy uh, to say she did. they did lose their uh, MTV Movie Award. Uh, oh, that was that was stripped right. away. Yeah. yeah, yeah by the brothers grunts. It was embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But then she's she's back under house arrest because in February there was that big military coup and that pushed her out of power. So oh. things have continued to get worse. Oh, oh, yeah. Burma sucks. Wow. Um, and good ever happens there. Speaking of nothing good well, happening. Rambo four. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I, this is another one of those situations why I love the show. I can remember where I was when I first heard about this. I was in Savannah hearing about it on the radio, asking my grandparents and seeing them getting very uncomfortable, not wanting to talk about Anita Hill testifying uh, with allegations against Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas, which once again is inspiring my Halloween costume. I will be a pubic hair and a can of Coke. Uh, it's ah, a very, very oh. easy thing to put together. And then you have someone else go as Long Dong Silver? Yeah. <laughs> Me, I'll do it. <laughs> but this is literally the first time in my life I heard of sexual harassment. Same here. This was even a lot of adults had never heard of this. Mm. There, it was always just, oh, boys being boys. The idea that's like, no. At the time Anita Hill says she was being sexually harassed by Clarence Thomas, he was the guy in charge of the Equal, <laughs> Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. The people you complain to about sexual harassment, he was in charge of it. And she wow. said he was sexually harassing her. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like her, this whole fucking thing, fucking Clarence Thomas. Okay. Right. Yeah. They nominated him because, uh, well, because the first black guy ever on the court had just retired, Thurgood Marshall. And they found a, you know, a black conservative who doesn't seem to know a ton about like constitutional law. In 30 years, he's spoken like once or twice during mm -hmm. her arguments. Yeah. Mm hmm. He's extremely conservative and he doesn't write a lot of opinions. And Anita Hill just got crushed by the media of just like yeah, she's worse. some sort of opportunistic slut who's here trying to ruin him for political reasons. Yeah. And she had not wanted to come forward and she got pestered and finally her conscience got the better of her. I think she was. I think she was like an anonymous tip on something and she's like, I don't want to come forward, but okay, fine. I fucking have to. And uh, yeah, she got raked over the coals. It was definitely not our current president's finest hour. He's totally hung her out to dry. Mm -hmm. He was on the Judicial Committee at the time as a senator. And now uh, she continues to be a badass 30 years later. She's not let it stop her. She's written a Good. whole bunch of books. She's a law professor. And she's a great interview. Anytime you see her interviewed, she's like, why isn't she on the bench? Yeah, <laughs> She has a hell of a legal mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's nice to hear because... I do especially remember the treatment of her in the media, which I think probably prevented people from wanting to publicly come out and testify against their accusers for years Absolutely. to come because Absolutely. it was a fucking well, shit yeah. show. Because they're it's... like, oh, she was hitting on him. She she wanted to get with him, but he's married. And so this is this is revenge. And it's like, come on. What? 
come on. Like, it's like anyone who says that women come forward with, you know, these sorts of allegations for the attention or something. Mm. Like, have you seen what happens to these women? Yeah. like no, have you no. seen how much they let go before they have to say something? Yes, like uh, that is it, it. Yeah, it's just very frustrating. Um, but this absolutely was the first time I know that I ever heard of those words, sexual yeah. harassment. And I don't remember like many things in my life at this point. I don't think I asked my parents about it. I just kind of tried to context clue my way into it <laughs> as, as a six-year-old. Like, well. I know a can of Coke is involved yeah. and something sexual. And I was trying to put it together. And I don't even know where my brain went with that. She is doing great because, I mean, if Carrie Washington gets to play you in a film, <laughs> you did you did something You right. done good. You done good, girl. And on, the, on the, the good side of sexuality, <laughs> I guess, everybody <laughs> wants to think about Steven Spielberg romancing his former leading lady, Kate Capshaw. They're married this week and remain together. Yeah. Still yeah. together. Thirty wow. years later, they got a packs of kids. They adopted a whole bunch of kids, healthy, and healthy seem couple. to be doing all right. Cool. And uh, it's so crazy because she kind of she still Kate Capshaw still works, but obviously doesn't have to because her husband makes a shitload of money. But is is still actively making movies and stuff. And every time we go back and see, like, oh, Kate Capshaw, whatever happened to her? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, she raises like nineteen kids, does humanitarian work. And is married mm-hmm. to the greatest living, one of the greatest living directors ever. What oh. movie did he direct her in? Uh, Temple of Doom. Oh, okay. she's yeah. she's the one everyone claims to hate, but that gives that indie a different flavor. I love Temple of Doom, and I love her in it. Um, yeah. and I wish that, she would bring down the whining like twenty percent. Yeah, just you can't have another Marion in there. That's makes yeah. I know. She can't be a super badass, but she does a, she does a lot of whining and screaming. Yeah, but so does Short Round. It's just yeah, I'd get rid of him entirely. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, let's move on to the movies of 1991, October 8th through the 14th. Doing math in my head, Fisher King is still number one in the box office. A Terry wow. Gilliam movie. What? Not wow. one in the box office two weeks in a row. Holy crap. Oh, uh, but we also have we have plenty of movies to talk about here. Uh, the Taking of Beverly Hills with Ken Wall and Harley Jane Kozak. Don't know anything about yeah. this one. All right, we got to blow through a whole Go bunch of it, these, though. and and some of them are worth talking about a little mm-hmm. bit more. But Taking Beverly Hills stars Ken Wall, who starred on TV's Wise Guy. That's why Goodfellas is not called Wise Guy, like the book, because there's a TV show about a guy infiltrating mm-hmm. the mob. And this is about uh, some evil cops fake a chemical spill to make the entire city of Beverly Hills evacuate. So they can rob every house and business hell yeah all right which is like but it's his whole city guys yeah but it's also beverly hills it's also beverly hills yes so fuck them but then like good good former football player ken wall and like another cop get together and try to stop them and uh it sounds pretty dumb that's a great title though um taking of beverly hills how how is uh sharded afterwards (laughs) maybe you should answer that major league i haven't done it yet but i I will let you know. Everybody get your 30 2010 bingo cards out because this might be the one. <laughs> uh, we got a major league reunion here yeah. uh, with Shattered. Sh- shattered. Tom Berenger, Corbin Burnson, along with Bob Hoskins, Greta Sachi, and Joanne Whaley. This is, I really am pissed off that this was not the same week as Dreamhouse because with, with Daniel Craig because there's a there's some similarities there. Uh, Tom Berenger wakes up from a coma with amnesia from this like big car accident and uh, is trying to figure out what happened and found out like, wait, his wife was cheating on him and he hired Bob Hoskins to follow her. Wait, did she kill someone? Wait, am I not who they say I am? Was it me the whole time? It's like, Uh, 
Okay, you was are. Was he his own wife? He was his own wife. No, it hurts out- to laugh. Whoa. Yeah, I'm. I'm just gonna spoil the whole thing because why wouldn't I? It turns out he's actually the guy she was cheating on her husband with, not the husband. But mm. his face was so fucked up they had reconstructive surgery, so he looks more like the husband. Oh, oh of God. course. Do you remember how many plot sure. lines that resolved back then? That yeah. makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's it's soap opera rules. It's cool. Uh, reviews are sort of like, eh, some of them really liked the twist in the end, some of them really didn't. It's more notable for me of being written and directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Mm. We talked about in Classic Corner at Dust Boat, and he is right on the precipice of just kicking all of the ass in Hollywood. Yeah. Hmm. His, his next movie's in the line of fire, which I love that movie. Then he does like Air Force One, and he's like, yeah. He starts kicking ass again. But Shattered is just like, mm-hmm. I, it, I, I'm actually more excited, most excited to hear whatever the hell the next movie is, which is seemingly released two decades out of place. What 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 is dude, stepping out? This, this cast. Holy smokes. <laughs> All right. We got uh, Liza Minnelli, Julie Waters, Jane Krakowski, Bill Irwin, Ellen Green, Shelley Winters. Shelley Winters. Wow. Sheila McCarthy, Andrea Martin, Andrea Martin, and Carol oh. Woods. It's weird that Julie Walters is here because it sounds like Billy Elliot with grownups. Hmm. It's based on a play and it's about this like tap dancing class full of older middle-aged weirdos. And then they learn, they have dance numbers and songs and they come together as like a family. What? It is so hard to find. Damn. It It sounds right up my alley. I know. I was really expecting you to have found it until I found out how hard it is to find. Yeah. it's only been on DVD in a couple of regions. Mm. Um, never been on Blu-ray. Yeah, stepping out. I mean, it's kind of... I guess they took the play that was more of an ensemble and they tried to turn it into a Liza Minnelli vehicle and gave her more numbers. And some people complained about that. They're like, no, this should be more of an ensemble. I mean, come on. When you got baby Jane Krakowski and Bill Irwin, who rules, Yeah, let them dance around. I don't care about Liza. I'm sorry. I don't care. Wow. Okay. That's not yeah, too it's far. just sort of disappeared. That's crazy. I mean, that is actually oh. my life. Like a couple of years ago, I took tap dancing classes with a bunch of middle-aged ladies and we kind of became a family. <laughs> now I know how to tap Aww. dance. <laughs> so I really would like to find this. <sighs> yeah. Uh, if you got a lead on it, let us know in the, the comments because I I'll, I want to see 1991 era Shelley Winters tap dance. Oh, huh. <laughs> Come on. I love her. And uh, Andrea Martin. Just... Yeah. One of the greats. And yeah, these people rule. And Ellen Green, who's uh, from Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. That's who people know her from. Uh, anyway, okay, let's move on to fancy writer director territory. <laughs> we got two gritty fancy writer director territory ones. Uh, City of Hope, written and directed by John Sayles, starring Vincent Spano, Chris Cooper, because they all do. Joe Morton, Angela Bassett, David Strathairn's in there, because he always is. Mm. I could not get through this. I got really kind of bored and depressed. But mm. it has... 94% like on Rotten Tomatoes. It's about like a million things, like a lot of John Sales movies are, where it's just a ton of characters and their issues intersecting with like city corruption and government and crime and people getting displaced and the crime. And I'm sorry, I just ran out of time because there's so much this week. But I do love John Sales. Lone Star is a movie I will never stop promoting on this show. Ooh, and uh, is it the next one a David Mamet movie? Just yep. guessing. I yes. Love when you can tell just from the cast. Again, yep. Guys he likes to use. Joe Mantegna, William H. Macy, and Ving Rames when he had hair for like two minutes. What? What? Ving Rames with hair. I felt cheated. Mm-hmm. So cheated by Homicide, which has a Criterion edition. Um, I'm not entirely sure why. Hopefully it comes it's like, with a better title. 
No, that's not life on the street. It seems to be Chicago, not Baltimore. A David Mamet movie in Chicago. I know, right? Wild. Joe Mantegna, he's in it? Uh, okay. Get okay, well, I'm going to let you drink so you don't do a spit take. This movie is all about how anti-Semitic everyone is to Joe Mantegna. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, Joe Mantegna, he's playing one of my peeps. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's a cop who's looking into the murder of this old Jewish lady and finds what seems to be a web of conspiracy and lies with like, she's part of some sort of Zionist group who's also like Antifa and ran guns to Israel before statehood. And there's like all this complicated stuff while he's constantly being yelled at and called anti-Semitic slurs. Like <laughs> they're using the F slur and every Jewish slur. Wow. Over and over for this guy, and it's like, what the fuck? Okay, I'm you'll so have to glad, tell me the uh, F slur is off here. What universe is this? Uh, the one that rhymes with maggot. Oh, but I didn't know that you could. That was a Semitic slur. I'm sorry, never mind. No, Keep well, they just that everyone one's throws it around. Just to be an asshole. In a David Mamet movie? Okay, yeah, I know. There's a lot of swearing uh-uh. and words I would prefer people didn't say. <laughs> so, I mean, it kind of goes on and on. Like I said, it's very stagey. The one thing I really like about it is, like a lot of David Mamet stuff, in the last 30 seconds, you find out, oh, that's not what this was about at all. Fuck. <laughs> and I love that. This is the moment of Joe Mantegna realizing, like, Oh, this movie was all red herrings? God damn it. (laughs) (sighs) I went through so much. Sigh. Uh, (laughs) But it's nice to have him have a starring role for once. He's good. Everyone's good. It's just, yeah, that's kind of dry. Okay, so this the next movie is fairly notable, but where my 302010 research starts getting weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, I put this on, and I can't say anything good or bad about it, but my nurse friend who is helping take care of me says... Why don't they make movies like this anymore? Oh. Uh, well, Kate, now, I mean, I, I agree with that. This ad, though, is oh, not how you is not how you would advertise this movie now. Kate Nelligan, Nathan Lane, Hector Elizondo in the silliest ponytail I've ever seen. Michelle Pfeiffer and Al Pacino back together. Frankie and Johnny. I got to tell you something. Well, you know, I'd rather you didn't. I got a question on you. When it comes to the question of love, I'm asking you out with me tonight. Some people will take no. For an answer. I'll handle him. Al Pacino, Michelle Pfeiffer, in a Gary Marshall film. Oh, Frankie and Johnny. Oh my God! This every ad is about how he's a man who won't take no for an answer. Ah, uh, yes. And I just bite my lips so hard. I'll pursue you to the day I die. I'm so charmed. And it's also this. The ladies were demanding. The romantic comedy with Al Pacino being the hot pursuer. Where are you going? <laughs> well, this is the thing. This is also based on a play where it's supposed to be two schlubby people. Yeah. It, it oh. started as, with F. Murray Abraham and Kathy Bates. Wow. Huh. That is a different movie. I, that's a very different movie. And a lot of critics complained about, like, look, Michelle Pfeiffer's incredibly talented. And she can dowdy herself up all she wants, but she's still Michelle Yeah, they made, her, they made her hair greasy, but she is still, like, angelic in her appearance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And just, I just love... Did it pay off, though? Like, was did this do really well? Not, not great, uh, compared to what... We're coming off of Gary Marshall doing Pretty Woman. Like Pretty Woman and right. something else in between there. I mean, he's on a roll. Mm-hmm. He's doing well. It, this, it was, you know, decently received by critics. And I think it made its money back. It's, it is a cute little romantic comedy about these, you know, working class stiffs. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, she just doesn't want to be vulnerable. And so she just says no to everything because, she's you know, it's a bad history with men. And he's just, well, I'm going to keep trying. 
Gotta get back on that horse. Yeah. Well, it's because he has a mountain of cocaine this high at home. No ladies getting away from old Al, muchacho. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's restrained in this. I like he that really it's is. more it's more old school Pacino than uh, uh, not Senate Big Daddy. Yeah, not Big Daddy Pacino. Not we'll, Big Daddy we'll get Pacino. There. It's, so not, it's yeah, as romantic oh. comedy though, it's it's pretty cute. I I end up liking it, but Ooh, eh. but you got to get but, out of the way of the superior comedy of the week, even though it did not do well, but has since become a holiday classic around this time. Jim Varney and almost no one else with a name I know. Eartha uh, Kitt? Is Eartha Kitt Eartha Kitt is awesome hey. in it. Yeah, um, she's so Who I once so banged good. in an airport bathroom. That's a reference to <laughs> two sections later. Uh, um, Ernest Scared Stupid, ladies and gentlemen. From Touchstone Pictures, if you're looking for danger, if it's action you crave, I know Tai Chi Kung Fu There's only one man who's above the law. Ernest P. Worrell is here. And below average. Summer and... He's fighting an army of killer trolls. And he's the hero who never knows when to quit. Just ask my fourth grade teacher. He never knew when to quit. Only in theaters. Ernest Scared Stupid. Starts Friday at... Right, all right. Ernest Scared Stupid. I think one of the greatest titles ever. Yeah. That is a good title. Not a wasted word in there. Perfect Mm -hmm. for Halloween. Um, Directed, once again, by John Cherry, writer of Keeper of the Clown. Co-creator of Ernest, co-owner of Ernest, along with whatever dairy company Ernest originally belonged to. <laughs> this I also had a. I'm on an operating. T- I'm heading to an operating table, and almost sort of out of my mind. And they're like, "Is there anybody you'd like to call before you go into the knife?" I'm like, "Hold on, Ernest is about to hit the. Tr- oh, Ernest is about to hit the. Tr- I'm watching this on my phone in a hospital, <laughs> trying to get this down. Before <laughs> I'm not gonna have time to do it later. Gotta watch certain scared oh. stupid again." See, I thought you were going to say, call Brett, ask him to fill in. I can't speak for Brett, but, but okay, I'm... Well, I can, oh, okay. because I contacted Brett, Brett Elson, former host of the show, and authority on all things Ernest, and I invited him to come on, but unfortunately schedules did not allow it, because we kept rescheduling. He, he sent... Uh, a prepared statement <laughs> on Ernest Scared Stupid. And, and I think I'm, I'm going to end up agreeing with him because you know, what does Brett have to say? Well, he says, despite this being a semi-cult classic these days, it was a pretty poor performer and ultimately led to the end of the Disney-Ernest relationship that began when Eisner being pissed at Jim Farney got a bigger pop at the 86 Indy 500 than Mickey Mouse did. Mm-hmm. After this, it's big flop Ernest rides again. My dad and I were the only two people in the theater. Yep. Then it's off to VHS land for Ernest Goes to School and Beyond. Ernest Haven't Goes to Africa. Any of yeah, I haven't seen any of those because the movies are nowhere near as bizarre and interesting as the commercials and circumstances that led to the movies, and it's all covered in laser time, like 250, something like that. Yes, it's the laser... super earnest episode. I, one of my favorite things I've ever titled, The Importance of Loving Ernest. Um, but but, but I'm, I, I'm a, I think Jim Varney is one of the my most missed comedic talents. He's very, very, very gifted uh, and very, very, very good, and this is not one of my favorite earnest performances and i think brett, brett like he even more earnest indie leans towards the commercials and the straight to video specials there's just something so big and studio-y and like adam sandler-esque about this i don't i never liked it and still don't yeah. um his, well his talking about the actual movie is uh there's at least one good scare in here in the opening montage of old black and white horror quote-unquote mm-hmm. classics is a lot of fun some of the imagery of the kids being turned into statues is pretty kids safe spooky 
Yes. Uh, he also mentions that taking out the troll villain will be as hard as level eight Super Mario Brothers, which, of course, was a hit in a theater full of children and agonized adults. <laughs> and, and he says, I will close by saying jail is the best earnest movie. And let us never you. forget how much Dave Rudden laughed more at that Monday night movie than anything else we watched that year. Yes. Watching Dave Rudden lose his mind to an earnest movie in the 2010s <laughs> was pretty wonderful. Uh, yeah, I think there was some, there's something that feels a little more lazy that like feels... I think critics were always wrong about Ernest, but this is the only time that feels like they're right, even though mm. the effects are the, I should say effect. There's kind of like one troll throughout most of the movie, but it's the, it looks familiar. Uh, it's the Chiodo brothers, the directors of Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh. And that's why the effects All right. look. So the, the plot such as it is, is that Ernest lives in a town and they like awaken a troll that starts turning kids into statues and yeah. kidnapping them. Yeah. What? Which is all, all cool stuff. But like <laughs> the more, children Ernest has to deal with the less I typically like the movie hmm. and that's why I think jail is so wonderful because it of course it's a movie for children but it doesn't have to star a bunch of children there are a bunch of fucking children in this no. and, and it, it, yeah I just I wish I loved it more I love Ernest so very much I thoroughly recommend in in reverse order jail Christmas and then camp and then like Brett said, this is the end of his Disney contract because this failed. They mm. renewed his uh, the contract for three more films, but this performed so poorly at the time. Uh, Disney Disney balked, but it's just I don't, I, why I don't know why it performed poorly though. Because I mean, I think you're viewing it from a lens a lens of a maybe Ernest super fan, but mm. it, I think it might be a good jumping in point for someone okay. who is not as familiar like me because you like because. It. I liked it oh, a lot. I real I my the bar was low for me on this <laughs> movie. I'm not gonna lie, and I was so pleasantly surprised uh, by how much I enjoyed this as a fun. It's perfect for putting in your spooky season queue when you need a break. I mean, I had just watched both Candyman's and the 2018 Halloween. I was ready for. <laughs> Like a, a little bit less of a nightmare-inducing spooky yeah. movie for spooky season. And this is like the perfect little palate cleanser for that. Yeah. And I do find Jim Varney to be so incredibly charming. Like I just – I remember Ernest from being a little kid and the commercials, I think. Yeah. They were still going on. In hey, the Vern, did you know mm -hmm. KB11 yeah. has Brady Bunch on twice a day? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely remember some earnest stuff from when I was a little kid, and this has been my first re-exposure to it, and I find it yeah, just it, charming as all get out. I I, I know I, I didn't have a good jumping off point there. My, I'm a little loopy, but like Ernest is this really awesome story of this wonderful underdog. This guy, this when you couldn't afford a celebrity endorsement, people could afford an Ernest commercial. You talk about your local Sprite bottlers, uh, Vern, <laughs> like like. Weird local commercials on a national level. This guy became an underground sensation and and recognized by the entire country overnight to the point where Disney, at their one of their low points, had to work out a deal with him. It worked out well. D Ernest is making move money for Disney in a way they haven't in years. And then critics started to shit on stuff. The movie started to come out a little more frequently. And I don't. I love movies like this. I don't know what to call them, but as a big Pee Wee Herman fan, I really wish they crossed over. These two Ooh. big, broad, impossible characters. Yeah. Well, it's like the. Um, I mean, that's. I. I think it through. I think that comparison is very apt too, because yeah. it's two characters with shticks, which mm -hmm. I do think does get tiresome, probably for critics, and two characters whose earnest absence of snark mm -hmm. is, I think, something that resonates now even yeah. more because you cannot 
watch a kid's movie right now without some sort of snarky, like protagonist or whatever, sarcasm, you know, yeah, that's such a part of it. And now, yeah, yeah, this is not. They're both like pure innocence. Right, right. They're they're innocent characters. They never have like bad intentions. Really, they're never cynical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just sort of pure souls. Yeah, right? and it's, it's a, such a good companion piece to Ernest Saves Christmas, another really fun fil- holiday film. Which I ended up enjoying a lot more than I thought I would. Me too. <laughs> I was Me really too. I like, oh great. boy, here we go. I, I also, like, oh, I also that think, was pretty sweet. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to put together my ideal costume for Halloween, but I was just looking at the poster for this and like, there are a few easier costumes out there than Ernest, but now yeah, if you want to pop out of a pumpkin... And just do that face everywhere you go. Most people under under forty will get what you're doing. Oh, aren't scared stupid? Fucking sweet. I, I I don't mean to not recommend this film. It's just like I was just reminded again because I like Brett. I was one of two people in the theater opening day for the next film. It was very disappointing, and that movie is so low budget compared to this one. This seems like it has the highest budget of any Ernest film. It so it doesn't get more glorious than this. So. It definitely has that peewee feel too of yeah. like because they're building a treehouse in this kind of like junkyard area. So it has that peewee feel of like everywhere I look, there's something to look at. Like it's a yeah. collage. <laughs> it's just like a collage of stuff. Like one of those pictures that you look at and you have to like find all the little pieces, like an I spy book, basically. <laughs> that's what it felt like watching it. And that's what peewee always felt He's got like a dog. It's not so much a dog, but a sentient best friend. Yes. Yeah, I love all the dog stuff too. So cute. Last Rimshot movie. I love the Rimshot for a dog. Rimshot is a great name for a dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, yeah, maybe I should have been kind. But again, I I was watching this coming out of my phone in the bowels of an emergency room um, <laughs> on morphine. So I wish I could have enjoyed it a little better than that. Because I feel like just toking up a little me more comfortable in my house, I might have had a different opinion on it. Moving on to television in 1991. Oh, I love it. We talk about L.A. Law episode titles. Uh, and this week in L.A. Law episode titles, the episode, something old, something nude. Something, <laughs> something blue indeed. Yeah. Oof. Uh, and Your balls after watching this episode. Or the, ne- or the, the next episode of In Living Color, because J-Lo makes her fly girl, fly girl debut. And I love... Being able to use that term, I think old people started throwing that term around a lot just whenever there was any like hip hop dancing. But mm-hmm. fly girls were what the dancing and living color girls were called. They were the G.E. Smith of in living color. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Jennifer Lopez appears this season, but I think even bigger, not Sean Wayne's fine. Um, but also, I, I just didn't remember Jamie Foxx not being there at the beginning. I know. Well, he he kind of came on as a featured player mm-hmm. a bit last year. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's when he comes on full time, as we saw in the butt out jeans sketch, which is amazing <laughs> Prince impression. <laughs> and I, I, I think I may have said that then. I think Homie the Clown was this awesome breakout character that kids, when I was in 1991, we loved. But Jamie Foxx's Tawana Wanda was the first one I ever <laughs> saw on posters in Walmarts. Like a just a big shot of his face, uh, Jamie Foxx's face, and I just wish I could have said to somebody like, "Dude's gonna win an Oscar one day." It's <laughs> <laughs> and uh, good on him because I, I still have so much love for Jamie Foxx from this show alone. And Living Color, loved it during my formative years, still do. Um, Has he hosted SNL? He must have, right? Had to. Yeah, I think at, at least he seems he... like someone that they should bring on when they have nothing good scheduled Absolutely. because he's so good at it. 
Yeah, he really should. Um, and, and then lastly, we have, what is this, a miniseries? A miniseries, yeah. Roma Downey, Stephen Collins, William Devane, and Joss Ackland, a woman named Jackie. Yeah, uh, I just like pointing out these dumb biopic miniseries or TV movies. Roma Downey, the lady from Touched by an Angel, playing Jackie Kennedy. Jackie. Oh, my God. Is she dead? And I think More this, Kennedy stuff. Yeah, and uh, Stephen Collins, I think, is playing uh, JFK, which is uh, bad because he did bad things. Mm-hmm. And... I'm pretty sure Joss Acklin is Aristotle Onassis, which is fucking rad because he's denomalous and diplomatic immunity. immunity. <laughs> he's that too. guy. I love that guy. Was, is Jackie Jackie O dead yet? I don't think she is. In 91? No. Yeah, she's still, she's still very much with us. That has to be pretty awkward. Hey, Jackie, I... are you going to watch your miniseries? <laughs> I hear they're going to yeah. be ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> the video games, nothing crazy to speak of. I know we're behind on video game shows. It's been... One of the craziest months of my entire life. I'm not sure how it could get any worse or weirder. I'm in good spirits, though. Um, yeah, yeah, right, Steve. Steve uh, cheer me on. But um, we'll, we'll close out talking about some close out 1991 talking about some music. Uh, how about some new music releases like Mr. Scarface is back by Scarface? Did we say Frankie and Johnny is a wonderful Scarface reunion from Michelle Pfeiffer and Al Pacino? Yeah, we okay, we implied it. Okay, mm-hmm. good. It is it is weird. <laughs> it's very strange. It's weird to think of that way. Wow, yeah. a healthy relationship between these two people who look the same 11 years later. Uh, Everclear um, by American Music Club. I think I was more excited to read that as American Music Club, the album from Everclear. They're not around yet. Welcome to My Dream by MC 900 Foot Jesus. <laughs> I haven't heard that musician before. Yeah, it's it's some weird electronica that is definitely, it sounds more 2001 than 1991, but that mm. name... MC 900 foot Jesus. Um, to whom it may concern by Freestyle Fellowship. Whenever we wanted by John Mellencamp. Get that cougar out of here. Plague that makes <laughs> the plague that makes your booty move by the uh, infectious infectious grooves. Paul McCartney's first story into classical music. Liverpool or what oratorio? Yeah. Um, and let's get to it by Kylie Minogue. Wow, like <laughs> backdating herself from the previous weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But not so much in the U.S. I don't yeah. think it did much of anything. The U.S., U.K. and Australia was a big old hit. I, I, like most people, I watched the Many Saints of Newark this week. And unlike most people, I've had plenty of time to binge almost the entirety of Sopranos in and out of consciousness. And I think there's like two scenes where they go to a gym and you just hear like, boop, boop. You just that, that that's Kylie Minogue in the background. That's how ubiquitous these show creators thought this that song was during the Sopranos era. It was you just crank it out yeah. of the gym. Look, I I made the joke, but it was completely true all of last week. I can't get I can't get you out of my head, out of my head, mm-hmm. and it went on for a full week. Well, I think this week, um, Ryan my Carey's album, been... my album is dropping, dropping. is dropping, is dropping. Mariah yep. Carey, I kept thinking of that too. It's driving me crazy. Mariah Carey's going to try and get you feeling some emotions this week because it's number one. Um, she's got us all feeling some emotions. Why don't we let uh, Mariah take us out with her high pitched wail? And uh, when we get back, ooh, more 30 2010. Don't move. Autumn is in the air. The pumpkins are in the patch. And our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't uh, <laughs> carve your pants pumpkins or your Thanksgiving gourd when you're grooming your patch. You know what I mean. 
Make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. And this season, get 20% off those grooming needs by going to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code LASERTIME. Because, hey guys, just because it's the Halloween season, it doesn't mean you should walk around looking like the wolf man. Come on, fellas. There's going to be plenty of sexy costuming afoot, so you got to step up your game a little bit with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. The fourth generation lawnmower trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology plus it's waterproof the performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker to chop those worst weeds up top in your nose and ears this nose and ear hair trimmer uses a 9000 rpm motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system to provide proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks snags and tugs in those delicate holes <laughs> seal the deal with the manscaped crop preserver ball deodorant which will have your balls smelling as delicious as pumpkin spice lattes on a chilly autumn morning. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Are you ready to fall head over heels for Manscaped yet? Join the 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using the promo code LASERTIME. That's one word, LASERTIME. Once again, that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. Make your balls a priority this fall. It's a fall ball. Choose Manscaped because your balls will thank you. Some timeless Brad Pitt slander. That don't impress me much. No, but not Shania Twain. No, it's not Shania Twain. No, see, that's why I used to listen to it first. Oh my goodness. Because I'm afraid this is the 20th anniversary of Kids Bop. Oh, okay. oh no. <laughs> I, hope, I hope they change yeah. it to more kid relevant people. No, no, all the children gather together to slander Brad Pitt. Jeez, good news. What? I mean, that is another way that you know you've made it. Is if Kids Bop if says your name in a song. Has to say your name because they will change. They will change lyrics to be more relevant. But even the kids know who Brad Pitt is twenty years ago. And yeah, Kids Bop albums. I remember they used to chart pretty high back then. It was yeah. fairly impressive uh, for something that is almost unlistenable. Yeah, the general idea of like let's have kid friendly versions of songs mm-hmm. that kids will like. Okay, but do the kids have to sing on them? Yeah. Yeah. No, just don't. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the song, the sound of children singing. Right. No. And our children, like, there's nothing offensive in this song. Like, we don't need a kid's version anyway. Yes, just listen to Shania Twain when you're a kid. Yeah. That's what I was doing as a child. Yeah, but it's interesting. She's still making money one way or another off it, so good for her. Oh, good for her. Uh, and all other new releases we can cover. Well, you got Your Favorite Weapon by Brand New, Thug by Lazy Bone. Ten new songs by Leonard Cohen. <laughs> what a Love great it. album title! You can't beat that. Uh, nope. uh, the photo album by Death Cab for Cutie. Uh, we got the self-titled album by Chris, Christian Milan, and uh, I'm Serious. The debut of Ti, and most notably, Hidden Stash Two: The Cream of the Crop by the Cottonmouth Kings, Enchantment by Charlotte Church, Dark Days, Bright Nights by Bubba Sparks, and Chrome by Tracy Atkins. Fallen by Alicia Keys is still number one this week. A little bit of news to bring you to the world of 2001. October 8th to the 14th. Uh, no, we got a Nobel Peace Prize. The UN. Uh, does the UN get an award? Or just the UN and, and Secretary, Secretary General, General Kofi Annan. Oh. Mm. Both get an award. 
and like I read the whole citation, and it's pretty much just you know just for general stuff. <laughs> like, okay, all around, just, just like yeah, good dudeness. Justin Secretary General, you get an award. Stuff. Again, I can't stop thinking about it because watching The Sopranos, because there are so many jokes dealing with the FBI about this new department. U.S. President George W. Bush announces the establishment of the Office of Homeland Security. Mm, that, that made word me feel safer. always sets me off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it feels very weird. I don't uh, like it. It's we... close to fatherland, and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I understand the reasoning of, oh, yeah. like, let's put all the different security bureaus under one department because like over here you got uh, customs immigration uh like food and drug enforcement and they're like the secret service is part of the treasury department and it's mm -hmm. like let's take all the different things that are security related and we'll put them instead of all the separate departments in one department okay mm -hmm. okay but also i don't know if immigration belongs there yeah and also they put former Pennsylvania governor Tom Ridge in charge of it. And he sucks. <laughs> wow. I haven't thought about Tom Ridge in forever. Yeah. I haven't heard that name in a while. That guy sucked. It seems like putting all those things together just opens the door to malfeasance. Yeah. It turns out it would. Yes. <laughs> turns out there's a whole bunch of malfeasance. And we'll see some of that malfeasance in a couple of years when uh, Hurricane Katrina hits. And we find out that FEMA, which is now part of Homeland Security, is being run by a guy who Dwight Wait. Schrute his resume and said he was the assistant director of something when he was the assistant to the director of something. Uh, oh, my God. A guy who was a uh, his last job was like raising horses. Right. Then... Oh, he was. Yeah. He was like in charge of a dressage <laughs> association. Wait, wait, wait. Was that Brownie? Brownie. Mm -hmm. You're doing a good job, Brownie. Brownie was doing a heck of a job being in charge of the Prancing Ponies Association, which qualifies him to save lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is a cool job, but you can't be saving lives at that one. It's just one of those where, like, did this guy win a lottery? Like, where did he find this guy? I could ask any of my neighbors they do a better job. What the fuck? Hmm. Anyway. And then moving on Homeland to... Security. It sucks, but that makes it the 20th anniversary of INS becoming ICE. Oh, yuck. Yeah. Uh, are they abolished yet? God damn it, Joe Biden. No. Um, and then uh, movies. Moving into movies, 2001. Training Day, still number one at the box office. Ooh. So, uh, officially... Yeah, Denzel's got some got some shit on King Kong. Good for him. <laughs> Iron Monkey is also out this week. Uh, first time I ever heard of Donnie Yen. Yeah, uh, I believe. Uh, yeah, so it's a, a sweetheart joint directed by Yen Wu Ping, who's you know the legendary fight choreographer. This actually is a movie from 1993. Well, Jesus Christ! And uh, it only got released because Quentin Tarantino basically said this movie rules. Donnie Yen rules. People are into martial arts stuff right now because of Crouching right. Tiger last year. Uh, Weinstein's could you release this and they do but they like Americanize it a little bit and they change the score to be more like Crouching Tiger's score and I've heard a lot of complaints about the American version but just mm. just that we live in an era now that I try and appreciate where like foreign stuff hits day and date on streaming services around the world where you can hide a movie in 1993 for seven years <laughs> for seven years and then give it a movie th a theatrical debut and expect it to make money is so bizarre you can't debut a sopranos movie day and date and then expect people to pay money in theaters as it turns out now but back then a movie that's available on vhs and dvd <laughs> you could put out yeah. in theaters uh, yeah um, but on like import vhs yeah yeah and sometimes without without subtitles yeah but who cares because it's donnie yen and uh yeah it's a really freaking cool movie and i'm sure the original uh hong kong cut is now available and you should watch it you should watch a lot of donnie yen movies because they're rad 
Um, and also out this week, The Devil's Backbone, which I thought was a different film, but... Oh, hmm. yeah. We have two very spooky Spanish language movies to talk about mm-hmm. this week. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Another one. And what's this one's produced by the other director's brother. Devil's Backbone is a Guillermo del Toro joint. And... Huh. It's really fucking good. Mm-hmm. And like Pan's Labyrinth a couple years later, it's set during the Spanish Civil War. It's about these kids in an orphanage where they're like hiding a bunch of gold for the Republican side. And uh, spooky shit starts happening. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I Now I know what this movie is. And yes. Oh, my gosh. It is so good and spooky. Oh, I mm-hmm. love this movie. Yeah. Wow. All that just jogged my memory. <laughs> Love yeah. it. it. It pairs really well with The Orphanage, which mm-hmm. Del Toro, I think, produced. And is about a former orphanage where then spooky shit starts happening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Devil's Backbone, it's it's a nice, slow, moody, creepy kind of movie. Hard recommend for spooky season where it's just... And it, I mean, it comes down to it's sort of like a haunted house movie, but it's like dressed up and all this other interesting stuff going on with like, you don't have to know a lot about the Spanish Civil War and politics or anything, but just like kids all being together and kind of being dicks to each other and bullying each other. And then there's also this sort of intrigue and double crossing going on. And then on top of that, spooky. Wow, that sounds great. Yeah, Devil's Backbone, very big recommend. I think I'm going to have to revisit it, honestly, because uh, my stepson is very into history mm-hmm. and, and spooky her. things. All right. God damn it. So, yeah. yeah. You, can throw, you can throw Pan's Labyrinth in there, too, then. because Exactly. I mean, that's a freaking masterpiece. This is far less fantastical. This is pretty much a straight-up ghost story. Damn. Love it. Me and your stepson got to hang out. Oh, my God. Right? Uh, yeah, and, and this is... I. We always say this about the show, laying things out date by date like this really helps you structure where you were and what you were doing in your life. And this week was really special to me in 2001 because it's Hmm. this wonderful blur of like, I think I got a girlfriend working at Blockbuster, but I also have a Netflix mail account and I'm (laughs) stealing movies, uh, I think with Kazaa at this point, not not (laughs) BitTorrent. And I was making it a point right now this week to st- i was there were enough there were so few movies released i was seeing every movie ever that came out that's why i felt qualified to start this show i was doing every <laughs> week i'd watch every movie that came out eventually and this was the week where like especially with the next two we're like i can't do this anymore i won't <laughs> do this anymore i remember these two movies being like this why am i doing this to myself i should be going wa- back and watching classic stuff or rewatching stuff that i like and i hate to be too tough on this film because i hate i i hate people being cruel to comedies but this movie's fucking terrible and i say that with the acknowledgement that i think chris Catan was a wonderful presence on snl just a, a kill a killer on snl very very good uh, fred ward peter falk and chris Catan, ladies and gentlemen corky romano corky romano was a veterinarian with a song in his heart this Friday, you'll have to infiltrate the FBI. Sorry. Corky Romano, rated PG-13. I, again, I think Chris Kattan is so talented and just so grating in a, uh. in a lead performance. And I think this, this movie led with like all these weird, you guys want some cookies? Like that shit barely happens. This is one of the worst comedies I've ever seen, uh, Corky see, Romano. I, I 
rated even worse because I don't like Chris Kattan's shtick. It's never, mm. never totally, have. Because I, I, I've said the same thing about Rob Schneider, and you bristled at that as well. But like, mm-hmm. I was there on SNL, and they were like every sketch creating weird characters and murdering. But the well, only murdering th- the audience, but not me. No, man. Think about like your mango. Yeah, I, your exactly. monkey boy, your I, Roxbury guy. Catan yep. is fucking killing it. Yep. And uh, and but there's only care for there's it. only one format for Sardom after SNL, and I, there's a bunch of articles about that now because uh, almost the entire cast returned to SNL because there aren't comedy vehicles for them to leave for. There's no yeah. graduation <laughs> to look forward to. There's, this is this is maybe as good as it gets, and you'll play like the lead's friend in another romantic comedy if you're lucky on a television show because you're not going to get your Corky Romano. And I just feel sort of bummed because I do feel like Chris Kattan is super talented and just maybe wasn't meant for the Sandler mold. Um, yeah, and, and, that's yeah. a good point. This does feel like a Rob Schneider vehicle that yeah. got passed. Yeah, and it fucking <laughs> got passed on, sucks. and somehow Chris Kattan got it. Because I mean, the idea, the idea is kind of cute. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. That like Peter Falk is this mob boss, and Chris Kattan's the son who has nothing to do with the business. And then because he's the only one in the family who doesn't have anything to do with the business, they ask him to infiltrate the FBI to hide all the evidence on Peter Falk. Cute. Just, like, I mean, the idea of like the the dorky kid in a family full of mobsters. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah. But, uh, I, yeah, I was like, okay, can I get over my like anti Chris Kattan bias and just no. watch this? Just like, maybe there is a laugh in there. And I started watching. I'm like, oh, fuck no. Yeah. It's, 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 and it's like almost and excruciating. Usually, I, I usually I give movies 10, 15 minutes. And if they're not working for me, I skip somewhere to the middle. Like, all right, well, maybe it's slow to start and it picks up. I, not even a smile. I was just, oh, Aww. God, this is so unfunny. Yeah. Try, try and imagine like, me being frustrated with a comedy and where I don't have a phone with all access to everything in my hand. It's just, I'm watching a movie. I always watch movies, and this movie still frustrated the shit of me. Like, this is so bad. Um, one of the worst comedies I've ever seen. And then to the movie that I think was number one at the box office after that, like, one of the most mediocre things I've ever seen as well. <laughs> with a... So disappointed. Yeah. Billy because Bob- it, it should have... It's got a lot going for it. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton, Kate Blanchett, and Bruce Willis in Bandits. Bandits. What's the problem every time you rob a bank? Getting caught. Joe. Ma'am, we're going to need to borrow your car. It's a really lovely dress. Please. Carrie. Every nickel that we spend is a nickel that we have to steal. Kate. She's mentally unbalanced to a spectacular degree. I can hear you. On the road to riches, there's bound to be some breakdowns. Ma'am, please go back to prison. Bandits. Maybe it's time to quit. We can't just quit now, Kate. We're not qualified for anything else. Rated PG-13. Uh, <laughs> say that as a podcaster all the time. But yeah, Bandits is one of the most thoroughly unremarkable movies movies i had ever seen (laughs) oh i always feel like this is a hidden gem sorry okay there's there's stuff in it that i like i'll say i like billy bob thornton just in general in this movie i think he's a lot of fun yeah i just wish the roles were reversed (laughs) yeah Mm. yeah i guess and i appreciate that it it the movie a lot of it is based on this you know romantic triangle and they find a way to resolve it Mm. that was different than i expected Mm. Yeah, I this was a movie that I, I actually did not have time to revisit it, so I'm kind of glad that I didn't. 
mm-hmm. that I did not do that honestly because I always feel like yeah this is a this is a bit of a hidden gem that like nobody knew about at the time mm-hmm. and weirdly my parents love this movie to the oh, point okay. where this is one of the few DVDs we had at that time it, wow. it, it was a oddly omnipresent DVD in collections like a ton of people own bandits if you go to Goodwill now you'll always see like nine of them on the shelf <laughs> yeah that was very strange but nobody i knew ever had seen it hmm. i always but i always championed it as like this is like funny little charming heist movie bank robber movie uh i think it's a bit of a hidden gem but again i did not revisit it so i yeah. can't speak to it in Damn 2021 it's... I mean, they're sort of setting it up like it's more of a comedy than mm-hmm. I think it ends up being. And it's directed by Barry Levinson, who right. does comedy so well, but he's in like a weird slumpy period here. Um, the, the best times are behind him, unfortunately. And maybe it's that Bruce Willis is miscast. I don't know. There's just something not working for me. But yeah, like they said, the idea is that Bruce Willis and Billy Bob Thornton are bank robbers. They bust out of jail and they start going on this bank robbing spree and they run into Kate Blanchett, who's just like some housewife lady who's like leaving her husband and then she kind of becomes part of the bank robbing thing and then they pull off like a big heist that was all lots of you know little switcheroos in the end there like a ocean's 11 or an inside man kind of thing or yeah Yeah, i i hadn't thought about that there might be people who's like for some reason this clicks with them so again put in the comments like do you want to go to bad for bandits because i was just sort of mid yeah again i don't find egregiously bad like i did corky romano it was just like yeah watching every movie sucks (laughs) you you know what i will teach my parents how to make an internet comment (laughs) and you will be hearing from them (laughs) who do i mail this to (laughs) Uh, Uh, do i sign my name at the end of it always always sign your name at the end dear the internet (laughs) (laughs) dear sarah's internet friends sincerely sarah's mom and dad <laughs> Writing collectively from their joint Facebook account. Um, <laughs> man, moving in a TV of 2001 is pretty difficult. Is it next to nothing? Just nothing stood out. There, well, there's we're, we're past all the debuts for the new season, and eh. there's Degrassi: The Next Generation. I think being the most notable, but that is its debut on Nickelodeon. I think it may have been on Canadian uh, television earlier than that. Right, but. Isn't that where we get Drizzy from? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. The, the next generation of Degrassi. I never. I have never seen a single frame of it. Sarah Jessica Park. No, that's Square Pegs. What am I thinking? <laughs> yeah, I have not. I don't know Degrassi at all. Like it's just one of those things I never saw. Is, is the more serious one that's also a bit soap opera-y. and the kids actually look like kids and have bad skin and they're Canadian, so they have accents. No, that's. I, I kind of always thought of it as like the less sexy skins. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or that uh, Nickelodeon's 15 with better cinematography. I don't know if anybody remembers 15. That show was dark. A just mm-hmm. a filmed like a real soap opera, very fucking uh, maudlin with Canadian teenagers. <laughs> uh, look it up, 15. It's hilarious. There's really almost nothing out this week because uh, we're still in kind of a network-based culture. Um, the debuts were all in September. Mm-hmm. Video games of 2001. What is it? October 8th to the 14th? Nothing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, there's stuff that's out. Uh, I remember my friends being super excited, like, Grew, wow, Dark Age of Camelot is where it's at, and that is where they abandoned. <laughs> that was the, the new MMO thing for a very short amount of time. Diana, uh, we might have Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney uh, hey. out during this period, um, but possibly only in Japan. 
at this point. I can't really tell. But the first game, and I believe that's one of the few games Diana knows pretty well. <laughs> yeah, these are one of the those are like the only games I get to the ends to. Yeah, I I never I fail at every game, and I just like well that was fun, and then I just stop. Well, how did that happen? How did you end up coming across the game, Michael? Yeah, because Michael said, oh, I think you like this because, you know, he knows I like mystery shows and like lawyer in shows and yeah, it I is like a... solving puzzles. And I was like, yeah, here's it's all three. I was like, OK, I think more, more than being a legal simulator, it is it is Japan's view of the American legal system. And it's hilarious. But you're <laughs> we a, don't dress like that. You're lawyers and you also do all of the investigating uh, on site and picking up evidence and then you have to present it in court in the right way yell objection at the right time i have my issues with the game but it's this was undeniably charming and warm the hearts of reviewers everywhere i think if you're even slightly curious check out an ace attorney they've they've never been more accessible they were at this point it's kind of cult and difficult to find after the first game but they're all over the place now capcom has saturated most platforms with it so check out ace attorney also out this week castlevania chronicles and we will talk more about those games on patreon.com slash laser time um yeah apologies but back's getting my tummy's a little weird right now can we close out the segment and yes (laughs) yeah but but we are at the end. I didn't mean to rush it. We'll close out with Where the Party At by Jagged Edge featuring Nelly. It's on the charts this week, but stay right there, people. We got a lot more fun stuff to get to in 2011, so stay right there. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner, where we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of October 8th through 14th, two solid recommends by solid filmmakers with solid performances. And there's like, I, what can I say? I don't know. Let's start with six years ago this week saw the release of Splendor in the Grass, directed by Ilya Kazan, starring Natalie Wood and Warren Beatty. Good old classic melodrama about teenagers and their sexual repression. And oh, they just just want to go out and have sex but oh fucking society is trying to stop them and i i strongly relate to natalie wood's character in this because if that age warren Beatty wanted to have sex with me and something inside me was telling me i can't do that i would also go insane in some ways though our our looser feelings of morality now make it uh, a little tougher to empathize with people in like 1928 texas because so much of the time you're like just have sex already it's just it's fine. It's not a big deal. God, calm down. But no, no, the societal repression and their natural feelings come into conflict and there's lots of drama. And yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's interesting. Yeah, Splendor in the Glass. And then if that's not your jam because you're just too much of a dude and you just don't care, well, I have one of the ultimate dude movies for you. 50 years old this week. It is The French Connection, directed by William Friedkin, starring Gene Hackman, Roy Scheider, Fernando Ray like one of the best cop movies ever it's got one of the best car chases ever just just a solid dang movie it takes i think it takes a little while to get going and the bad copidness in it might rub people the wrong way now and that's completely fair but it's still just you know it's just a lot of fun it's just it's a lot of fun and it's rare that a movie that is this crowd pleasy like wins the best picture oscar 
and it's technically based on a true story, kind of, technically. And that, like, there really were these French drug dealers bringing heroin into the country and they couldn't figure out how. And, like, that's a big part of the thing that's, like, trying to solve this mystery and tear it all apart. And, yeah, French connection, man. 50 years old. Go see Gene Hackman at his Hackmanist. Hackmanist? Sure, that's a word. Anyway, that's it for this week. Stay classic. Find a note to make you understand I sing it softly in your ear and grab you by the hands Keep me stuck inside your head like your favorite tune And all my heart's a stereo, the only place for you Coming into 2011 with uh, Stereo Hearts by Jim Class Heroes featuring Adam Levine. It's on the charts this week. Welcome to 2001, October 8th to the 14th. 2011. What did I say? 2011. Sorry. The surgery pills, people. Let's let's blame those this one episode for why I'm mispronouncing. And my dyslexia is now <laughs> the fault of my appendectomy. How many uh, surgeries have you had over the past couple I of years? Know, <laughs> I know. Uh, usually I do my own lap surgery right before I the did. show. But welcome to 2011. New music releases also include Wildflower by American Idol runner-up uh, Lauren Al- Alania? Alina? Elena. Elena. Yeah. Remember, we did the winner last week. Is, is, is this still, the, it's still the case that the runner-up from American Idol always ends up doing better than the actual winner in the charts, other than your Kelly Clarkson's? I don't know. Can you name another one? Clay Aiken. No, yeah. I mean, like, in the past, like, Oh no! Ten years? No, I can't. I don't. I don't. I don't watch televised uh, talent shows. I don't. That's not what I do. It's I, the one like, it's the one reality show I don't watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I do watch Top Chef, and that is a televised and Bake Off. All right, I'm yeah. a liar. <laughs> I just don't like singing. <laughs> yeah, it's not that impressive. The Great Escape Artist, the first Jane's Addiction album in eight years, uh, is out, and I be- yeah, I think I saw them live touring uh, in support of this. Uh, Master of Ser- Ceremonies by Styles P and uh, self-titled by Evan Essence. Yes, Evan Essence. Oh, wake me up inside. Has rapid rock ever come together so fine? I don't know. <laughs> um, Moves Like Jagger by Maroon 5 is still number one. A little bit of news to remind you what year it is. It's ten years ago. And Hey Girl, it's Feminist Ryan Gosling meme uh, is now upon us. And I don't actually know what that is. That brought me a lot of joy when it was Oh, it really did. I loved it. How did I not see that? Uh, It was just Ryan Gosling saying Hey Girl and then feminist things. Not him saying it, but um, it was a meme. So, you know, a meme is like when you take a picture of something and then you put like Don't do this to me. I know it. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) So how about like, hey, girl, keep your laws off my body. Keep your hands on it. It's like a scene of him wet from the notebook or something. Exactly. Okay. I got it. See? See? I could be taught. Um, (laughs) 2011. 2011. (laughs) Just looking at a bunch now. My favorite is these looks really steely. He's saying, hey, girl, tell me to go make you a sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 2011 movies. I, I had a. I like this movie so much last week. I had a conversation with the guy at the deli, the, the the kid at the deli. Like, what do you do? And like, I just watched this movie called Real Steel. You see, he's like, of course. And like, well, I had it and I really, really liked it. Real Steel. It's still number one at the box office. I call. I kept referring to this. I kept giving it the status of this underrated thing. Where, but like, no, this is number one at the box office for like a few weeks. Wait Most of the world what has seen Real Steel. Where you at? McAllister's. Oh, I love McAllister's. Yeah. Anyways, go on. They actually have a sandwich they put chips in for you. Like, Ooh, why oh, doesn't anybody else do that? Love it. 
chips and a sandwich is chef's kiss. Pretty good. Uh, yeah, we've actually gotten a lot of messages in the last week. Some of the most messages we've gotten in a long time, thanking us for the hard recommendations on Real Steel and Ricochet. Yeah, both people being like, so "I fun. just wrote that off, and then I watched it, and I loved it." That movie is all we live to serve. <laughs> Yay! That's like what we're here for. Yeah, don't know if I can do a lot of that this week uh, mm-hmm. personally, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Also out this week, anybody in the mood for a Kevin Spacey movie? It's got Johnny Knoxville. (laughs) Um, I've never heard of this. Virginia Madsen, Craig Robinson, Johnny Knoxville, Heather Graham, uh, Camilla Bell, and Kevin Spacey in Father of Invention. Oh, boy. Yeah, no. uh, I skipped this one based on the reviews. Uh, Kevin Spacey plays a infomercial guru slash con man Mm -hmm. who... Like his inventions hurt a bunch of people, so he went to prison, and then he comes out and he's like trying to make more inventions and like get his family to love him again. And it's like, well, Kevin Spacey in prison makes me happy, but zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh man! Whoa! We do not see that very often, honestly. Like, but I, I would totally love to watch a movie about infomercial people. Yeah, I feel like that would be like really interesting because they do have their own like language and. Production companies and all that stuff. Respect the cock. Put Michael Keaton in it. <laughs> he invented windshield. No, that was that was not him. That was Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear invented <laughs> windshield wipers. Keep yeah, it. he was in that movie where he invented windshield wipers. Oh, right. Michael Keaton invented McDonald's. I get this movie's confused. <laughs> I always recommend that movie. Because he plays a really low-key character as Ray Kroc in that movie and then eventually yells a couple times and it is the closest thing to a Beetlejuice sequel you'll ever see. <laughs> You're going to tell me what to do with my burgers? Okay, okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's <laughs> uh, see the founder. Uh, we also have out this week, crowd pleaser, bring the kids in, Texas Killing Fields with the unforgettable <laughs> Sam Worthington who had nude pictures of yes, some executive. Our, our biggest star. Their biggest yeah. star was in every Good. single movie. With this pretty stacked cast behind True. him, though. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Jessica Chastain, Chloe Grace Moretz, Jason Clark, Annabeth Gish, Cheryl Lee, Stephen Graham. That's that's a solid character acting cast there. And it must be like, eh. Like, it's loosely based on this one actual serial killer that was killing women in Texas. And then they, like, totally fuck up the real story and it's got nothing to do with anything. But, they're you know, they're hunting the serial killer. And, uh, and then they hunting it. And it's like, again too many movies can't get to all of them the reviews were middling and mm-hmm. it just didn't get much of a release so it's one of those where it's like it could secretly be really interesting and just the critics didn't get it or it's just forgettable mm. yeah. and well considering that it's starring sam worthington unforgettable it's probably the latter real quick real quick people listening what's sam worthington look like mm. it's it's leaving me too it's leaving me too. <laughs> and also out this week, I didn't think there could be more Nicolas Cage movies that I'd never heard of. But here we have Trespass with Nicole there Kidman, so Ben many. Mendelsohn, and Cam. Hold on. What is his name? Cam Giganet? Giganet? Okay. We literally have this conversation every time this man's name I had comes surgery. Up. Yes. But... God, show some compassion. Reddit Gitter. Gitter. Also, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I'm just saying we do have this conversation every yeah. single time right. his name comes up. I'm going to make you pronounce it. So what's the pronou- pronounce it, Sarah? Gijon Day. You son of a bitch. That sounds realistic. I'm going to say Gigan. <laughs> I'm going to say Gigan. I don't know. I also, I also don't know anything about this movie, and 
uh well it's another one that just it died it died ignominiously uh no. everywhere because it's not supposed to be that great um a nicholas cage movie from 20 it's not good i know right but but it's also got ben mendelson and nicole kidman in there like yeah. that, that raises my hopes it sounded like it was the humphrey bogart movie desperate hours and and Ooh. it turns out it wasn't and i was bummed but that's already been remade so who cares uh where mm. nicholas cage and nicole kidman have like a home invasion where they're at, like you know, we know you secretly have a whole big pile of money. And then it turns out like, oh, wait, the kidnappers are like being blackmailed into doing this. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, who's really a good guy and who's really a bad guy? Like, aren't they all bad guys or can they be reasoned with or what? And like all the twisteroos sounded pretty good. But, oh, the reviews were really rough. And that sucks because I like Ben Mendelsohn, especially as a weird bad guy mm -hmm. who's got like a crush on Nicole Kidman. And that's why he's doing this mm. or what? I don't know. But, oh, yeah, reviews were off. Just, yeah. oh, no, they can't all work. Okay. And uh, <sighs> But let's what, talk spooky season. Yeah, what might be oh, kind of the, one of the best movies of the week. Um, Jean Cornette, uh, Elena Anaya, and uh, Antonio Banduros. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, stop uh, it. I know. Pedro Almodovar's The Skin I Live In. This movie is fucking awesome. It's it's. I know, I know. I even I have to be like, ooh, there's a new Pedro Almodovar movie. I'm gonna need eight months to prepare. Yeah, to like, to like get yes. some, get some space. But it's just so weird because usually, I mean, what he's known for is movies. They they can get into like some weird psychosexual territory, but they usually have a sort of sort of lightness to them. There's no subtlety here. Kind of kind of comedy to them. That's like even though serious things are happening, you never feel like traumatized by them. And the skin I live in has a lot of the stuff that is usually in an Almodovar movie about like gender and attraction and identity and sex and you know busted ass relationships and trying to recapture the past like these are all things that come up all the time in much lighter movies and this mm. is just just call it trigger warning the movie man mm. it is Thank, okay Woof. so sam and i settled in to watch this this weekend and i was like yeah it's a mold of art it's gonna be like artsy and it sounds like from the description a little body horror-y which i was totally in the mood for and we sat down to watch it and at the second sexual assault scene <laughs> sam was like i'm tapping out i can't and i was like thank you i am also tapping out on this oh. one like not for me it's Just, it's it's a it i feel like it's a traumatizing film because so much of the imagery stuck with me yeah, uh, but yeah, I just yeah, think yeah. he's just one of our most interesting filmmakers, and yeah, I I, I kept I kept thinking of like Shape of Water when I was thinking about this, just because like Shape of Water, I think like Diana said, in any by any other person or time would have been dealt with subtly, whereas this is like, no, she fucks the monster, get over it, <laughs> move on, and yeah. this is uh yeah, it enters some uncomfortable territory, but territory most movies wouldn't bother to go, like wouldn't bother to express. And I still think it's kind of ballsy and uh, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Uh, well, but, yeah. I mean, it is, it, it's ends up being a very, it's a Frankenstein story. Yeah. Antonio and then, Banderas is a, a, a very skilled plastic surgeon who, wi whose wife dies in a fiery car accident. He uh, devotes his time to make perfecting a better human. Um, and yeah. then, well, he's developing a skin. Yes. Uh, Damage-proof skin. Yeah, like a replacement, basically, for people who are injured or whatever, and, and is using a human subject who lives in his house and looks remarkably like his dead wife. Yes. Yeah. What the, could go wrong? Right. Oh, yeah. That You tapped out before the end to yeah. find out, um, so who is she? What's her deal? Mm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's... 
a level of disturbing that was like i was pretty disturbed by this movie and it's like well now i need a shower yeah. <laughs> okay i'm glad yeah. i tapped out it just like i i like i've watched many of moldavar movies i like them generally i don't think this one was for me yeah it's yeah, just that's it's fine a, it's a big turn for him into solid horror mm-hmm. um and it's the first time he worked with antonio banderas for like 21 years and now they've made a couple more movies yep. together yeah i think he made but, like his and, next two movies with him yeah and previously it was stuff like women on the verge of a nervous breakdown mm-hmm. and high heels and high heels i think we got that coming up and it's like tie me up tie me down yeah it's like that's usually what we're talking about where it's like yeah. you know this th- there's a frank sexuality to it but it's it's sort of light <laughs> there's a, a re- he has a really light fun touch even when he's talking about serious stuff and this is him just going full horror and it it's uh it sticks with you yes yeah but uh it's like i kind of want to recommend the skin i live in but i, I didn't i didn't think a... about like there. there's at least like three trigger warnings for it's, different it comes people with a really big asterisk like yeah yeah there's a lot of assaults but and like, body horror going on it's just i love that guy so much and like not knowing anything about this movie other than it's almo tavar and then just like I, i'm sitting there like alex from clockwork orange like this is the, <laughs> the i love this uh, uh i gonna be like all about my mother yeah. <laughs> it's not at all uh really hard pivot into something of a completely different flavor and a much older flavor i remember seeing this movie and feeling like this feels like it should have been made a decade ago and maybe it would have fared a little better but i love it for that respect there's an old timey flavor even in 2011 a little bit more of an old school comedy and the cast is amazing joel McHale, kevin pollock tim blake nelson anthony anderson diane weiss brian dennehy joe beth williams rosamund pike jim parsons angelica houston rashida jones owen wilson jack black steve martin uh and i just love bringing up steve martin because i've been holding off on the only murders in the building finale which is just it's it's so awesome to see him at the top of the zeitgeist 10 years after he kind of like backed off of movie making or he really hasn't been in much for a while other than like cameo roles this is one of his last starring roles i feel like i can remember but it is the big year there's going to be major fallout in a few hours nuclear fallout bird fallout no this is a race to find the rarest bird on the planet yeah. steve martin jack black owen wilson they're turning their quest I think I broke my arm. Shut up. Into the ultimate competition. They're men. If they ever stop competing, they die. <laughs> you bought me drinks and got what you wanted. Really? You don't want to know. The big year. <laughs> big year. It's all about three <laughs> men struggling to have a big year. And a big year is what birders refer to as spotting the most rare birds <laughs> in the wild. I do love an incredibly low stakes comedy. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, uh, full disclosure, my father's a birder. And I love, like, it's kind of making fun of people like him and my friend Kim exclusively. They go to ridiculous lengths, spend an r- absurd amount of money that is difficult to ignore to spot a bird, just random random birds, and then get hyper-competitive. And it doesn't get, like, full wackety-schmackety-do, but uh, I thought it, there's still something, like, charming and grounded about this film. It's You're not going to see a comedy made like this anymore. Maybe you will. There, movies like this are still being made for old people somewhere, but... Mm. uh I don't know. I thought it was fun with a bunch of really funny people. And no, shaking your head, Sarah. No, I'm just saying that. Okay. Hmm. So while that trailer is playing, I did go to the Wikipedia for the skin I live in to hmm. read what happened at the end. And now I really wish I had seen the big year <laughs> instead of my, the beginning of the skin I live in. <laughs> oh yeah, boy. Like I said, I'm, it's just like I'm gonna go 
go sit in the shower for a while. Yeah, I wish, I I wish we had like like a bad. I feel like I'm a bad person for watching. I that. wish we had like morning zoo radio money so we could like make people attempt to watch the big year in the skin I live in in one sitting. <laughs> tell us, tell us what happens. Did anything come I, out of you? I want to do like a end of the year recap where we try to find a bigger 180 from yeah. two for two movies <laughs> that yeah. we talk about in a row than Skin I Live In and The Big Year. Yeah, yeah. it's because I generally try to order them by box office. Yeah, building up to whatever's number one or you know number two. And this looks starting with the things a fewer people saw and moving to things that most people saw. And yeah, that is we got some big whiplash <laughs> between Oof. all Did of me. And this look this looks to be a huge bomb. Like a, yeah, a, a cheap comedy well. that, that I think uh that still made seven million dollars at the box office. Yeah, but overall uh, I mean, it wasn't great. No. It it was very pleasant. Like I said, it's the lowest stakes I think I've ever seen in a movie, which kind of makes it charming that like when they mm. start really being just dicks you're like dude <laughs> I love, but I, it's not such dicks it's like no one's running each other off the road kind of dicks. right they're just they're just being like passive aggressive dorks and you're like guys my, my, uh, undying love for really? steve martin i love the the hollywood reporter calls it genial uh pittsburgh post-gazette calls it gentle <laughs> genial and gentle <laughs> yes right up my alley you guys i you could not pick a better movie for me to watch especially right now but i love that because it kind of gives me maybe a uh, vibes of tag a huh. movie that i will still maintain is fantastic comedy and i wish more people had seen it because i wish more yeah, movies so, like that could be made so few people had seen it i think the song they sing in the credits went viral because they cover a song mm. in tag it, like just mm. john ham and jeremy renner covering crash test dummies Mm-mm-mm. oh yes yeah, and, and <laughs> like right. and it's like so few people had seen the movie that went viral even though you've been able to watch that for like five years yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but the big year. I know there's not a lot special about it, but um, god damn it, I I I thought it was really cute, and I know a couple yeah. birders. And the other two movies are that scored fared better are kind of I don't want to say soulless remakes because uh, well, one's technically not a remake. I it know. is a prequel. Yes. That is also actually a remake of the inspiration for the remake. I hate this so much. <laughs> I hate this so much. Um, and I still, I still never got around to seeing the whole thing. Um, okay, I really well, I, to... I finally did, so I can talk about and, it. Yeah, I watched it too. But I, are we of the are we of the belief that uh, John Carpenter's The Thing is one of the greatest movies of all time? A hundred percent, yes. Greatest horror movies, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and it's so good and looks so good and holds up so well and was treated mm-hmm. so poorly. It's something I never get tired of championing. Uh, the remake prequel with a Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Joel Edgerton, and. Uh, Adebisi from Oz. I'm not attempting that name again. Adewale. It's somebody. Somebody. We should have a contest for people on. Uh, send us a YouTube video trying to pronounce Adewale. Ad- pronounce that Adewale, name. Adewale. Ad Uh huh. You didn't get it entirely. But uh, we have the thing, not a remake. We found something quite remarkable. Did you hear that? <laughs> this thing has replicated a person that's not possible it's like a virus not all of us are human that's that's what i because it is for all intents and purposes a remake and then at the end they have the dog run off to the next movie yeah yeah and because it's the same premise the same location which is very improbable because they established there's like no one in antarctica at the time uh so i don't 
I don't know. Yeah. But, so mm-hmm. what I kind of appreciate is this is a remake of both the things. Yeah. Because the thing from 1982 is a remake of the, the thing, thing from... aka the thing from another world from 1951, mm-hmm. and this takes it. It starts out, a big chunk of it is pretty much just the thing from another world from 1951. Yeah. And then it turns into the thing 1982. And it's like, well, mm. I, I appreciate that you're kind of shuffling them together. That's fun. But once it turns into the thing 1982, it's like, yeah, but I, I yeah, I know. I, I wish I was just watching the thing 1982, honestly. Yeah. It's, yes. it's like, it, I can't say it's bad it does have some good effects especially yeah. there there are some real creature effects that are pretty bitchin they oh yeah a bunch of practical effects that are super cool i like having mary elizabeth winstead mm-hmm. as the lead ramona you know, she, she a little bit of ripley vibes where she just has to step up and put on the flamethrower and rock on i but like overall it like doesn't need to exist that's and that's, that's no, a, and also that's, that, yeah it's the, the doctor sleep thing like the if you didn't see that shining sequel it's like pretty fucking great but it like doesn't need to exist at all well this is not pretty fucking great well this this got this like i know a lot of horror people who like this but it just the idea that it's treading on the territory is something so sacrosanct and trying to to tie itself into something more important you know can rub you the wrong way it's not even that so much as that I feel like I'm just watching a worse version yeah, of something go. that already exists that's good. And also, too, like the whole prequel, sequel, remake part of it is not well thought out at all. Like, yeah. doesn't make sense in any sort of continuity way at all. Just like these. Okay, like pretty much everyone in this movie is some kind of scientist. <laughs> Literally the worst scientist in the world. Oh, I hate that. Like a, Promethe- a real Prometheus problem. Autopsies <laughs> with like baggy gloves and no eye yeah. cut. Like not even pretending no. like they're scientists. I've never seen an object like this in my life. You should touch it with your bare hands right now. Yeah, let me put my <laughs> face in it real close yeah. and like get a good look at it. And also, why do they have so many flamethrowers on this in this <laughs> they, in the they Arctic? They never explain that. I figure, okay, well, they need to de-ice vehicles, baby. Or they have with to de-ice a flamethrower? But with, like, they have a lot of strap-on flamethrowers to go around. <laughs> like, one for each person. <laughs> that's, that's pretty handy. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, okay, if you've watched the thing a trillion times and yes. you really wish there was just a little bit more of the locked indoors paranoia thing going on, then sure, you could do a lot worse. I mean, it was a lot better than I was expecting. I was expecting it to just be exactly the same. And then I would just throw up my hands and go, why? And it's like, okay, so you got, you still have the par- the paranoia that we're looking for, but also some of the, like, the science-y stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, but... The paranoia. Like, it's fine. Like, it just comes down to, for me, it's like, it's fine. Yeah. Watch it, yeah. don't watch it. Who cares? <laughs> I would say just don't, like, there are, um, we're in a time where there are a million other great horror movies out, and yeah. I would even say, don't watch this. Watch Splice, which we talked about Ooh. last year instead, yeah. because I really liked Splice a lot, and I think more people should see it. It's my favorite soda. What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> But I would also say that the paranoia part of it is actually very good. You do feel it. Yeah. But, okay, so Mary Elizabeth Winsett decides she's got to figure out who's the thing and who's not the thing. And part of the deal is that if you are infected with the thing, it's like rejecting any artificial parts of your body that could exist. So she decides to check everyone to see if they have fillings still in their mouth. Right. In 2011 – a lot of people 
have the porcelain fillings like it that are not work. metal. Like I don't know. Yeah. It didn't yeah, make any and sense. I, I appreciated that there's a guy who points that out of like, yeah, I've never had a cavity. So right. because I floss, you're going you're gonna to kill me now? You're what? persecuting me for having dental insurance? Yeah, exactly. I don't have any wow. fillings either. I guess I'm a monster. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> or clean as a whistle. Jesus Christ, Diana. I know, Diana. Uh, what the heck? And, mm-hmm. and just like. Look, I suffer through a lot of orthodontia for these bad boys. I take care of them. Oh, and, and just <clears throat> on the other side of. The re- I, I don't want to talk yeah. too much about remakes, it's, but like, it's like uh, this is another why. And this, I think, what? even even more so than than the thing, because oh god, because the thing came about because Universal was trying to remake all of its old horror movies, but giving all these young, promising directors a shot. And in John Carpenter's case, it got him world notice. I'm glad that happened, and I think it could have happened for the thing remake. Whereas Footloose, remaking Footloose is so cynical and evil. Because that is so rooted in an era. Like, there's just no... The heart of this movie is so pure and silly and fun. And Footloose is not the type of movie that is for me. But it's joyous. The the first Footloose is wonderful. And and to try and remake that in the in 2011, really, you're gonna have Dennis Quaid try and be a pastor who is anti dance. Like, can, can obviously can you improve on John Lithgow? No. Can you can you improve on Chris Penn tethered oh. to Kevin Bacon's Walkman uh, dancing together? Like, there's a, it's. It's a wonderful movie of its era that just didn't need to be remade. But then here we are with Kenny, Kenny Wormold, Wormold, <laughs> Julian Hall, Andy, Andy McDowell, and Dennis Quaid. Footloose remake. You think I'm small town, huh? I think Beaumont is a small town. You try living here your whole life. What do people do here? Not much we can do. Seems like everything's illegal. Get <laughs> that music cranked pretty loud. You're gonna throw me in jail. I don't want you to see that boy again. What are you going to do? Pass another law? This is our time to play our music way too loud, to make mistakes, to live. Do you know who plays their music too loud in 2011? Old people! Like, <laughs> this, this doesn't need... This, this, and I'm so shocked Craig Brewer worked on this. This is yeah. a Craig Brewer join, um, but I guess because he directed another mu- musical movie, he comes on to make this weird white rural piece of nonsense like i just no interest in this i i did this was one of the ones i i was high in my list of watching before i lost some of my innards because it's like (laughs) what could you possibly do to this to make this have any relevance like a a shred of the relevance of the first film no it's it's the same sort of backstory of like oh i'm sad because the kid died because they were like on the way to the prom so let's just cancel prom for everyone ever kind of thing it's like the reviews were kinder than I was expecting, yeah. where they mostly said, like, this is as good as you are going to do doing something so meaningless. <laughs> and then to per- and that's fine. What blows my mind, though, is l- l- the Footloose soundtrack. I mean, mm-hmm. the original Footloose is basically a musical because it is wall to wall, that soundtrack. And you go to any thrift stop, any thrift shop in the country and you will still find that soundtrack because mm-hmm. it's a banger. It's got a ton of very catchy songs on it. Mm-hmm. They just I'm reuse the hero. it. Oh, are you kidding they- no, they don't even like, oh, let's update this for modern times. No, they take all the old songs and they just re-record them and none of them are as good. With new artists? <laughs> like Yeah, with new artists. What the fuck? Yeah. I, Not okay. I don't I don't know. So Look, Blake Kenny Shelton Hawkins. Blake How? Shelton covering Footloose. Wow. Oh. How dare he? <laughs> Look, Sam and I, the other day, we were having Listen to Records and Read Your Book Night, and I was going through our record collection, 
throwing on something. So I put on the next record that was up in order and Sam was like, what are we listening to? And I was like, yes, this is the Top Gun soundtrack on vinyl and you're welcome. And yeah, Kenny Loggins, what a gift, Mm -hmm. I have to say. And one of my favorite memories of hanging out with my parents in high school, which I did so much, is going to see Kenny Loggins in concert in Biloxi, (laughs) Mississippi. Wow. I was the youngest person in the room. But you have never seen so many old people creakily get to their feet as when Kenny Loggins busted out the footloose. (laughs) There were old people dancing down the aisles. And honestly, it was very fun. Yeah, the only reason I feel shitty about saying this is that, like, this movie obviously found the same connection to young people. In 2011, the audience showed up for it. The well, I generally showed up for it. I I did see a couple reviews pointing out. It's like, this probably got made because Glee's popular. Yeah, yeah and, and like, also Julianne Huff, okay. she yeah. was a Dancing with the Stars person. Yeah. So I think that's also a big part of it. Oh, so not maybe not kids, but like NASCAR dads and soccer moms are showing up to this thing. Yeah. Some of them, but Just yeah, I mean, NASCAR, they're yeah. still aiming it at teenagers and... Yuck. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm glad to find out like, oh, it's not that it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what's the best it could do? Could it really mm-hmm. reinvent this for a new generation? Or is it just going to be exactly the same? Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm all same. for if you can like make this relevant to today for real. There's probably a way. Yeah, set it in. <laughs> Set it in authoritarian China. Uh, like, <laughs> maybe they don't allow dancing. Ooh, no, and... fundamentalist LDS. There you go. Have it, have it on a, a yeah, uh, rogue yeah. Mormon compound. I think that would completely work for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It makes me mad just looking at it. Whereas the, even the thing, I understand, like, yeah, why, let's try it with new effects and actors, see if we can do something a little different. None of that applies to Footloose. None of it. No, it's just uh, the same. Uh, or I guess you could probably add in people of color. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the direction where a lot of these remakes are going. Yeah. It's like, well, let's let's make a black version. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. The Wonder Years. <laughs> Do it. And then moving on to television in 2011, October 8th to the 14th. It is a, I don't know, for me, kind of a huge week. Starting out, like, I can't believe two of my favorite episodes of television on completely divergent shows air in the same week. Hell the Breaking yeah. Bad season four finale. I haven't done enough scientific research on this but season four is always where my favorite shows falter a little bit and either get their bearings or if you're on netflix get canceled Hmm. breaking bad season four is the best season four of any show that has ever existed and i've rewatched it uh, at least twice so i can agree to that but this has the confrontation play this now playing far cry six and and having seen Giancarlo Esposito playing three of the top villains on simultaneous shows at the same time. Like, I don't know how they get away with this. How is he ruling over the boys and the Mandalorian at the same time? Um, <laughs> I think The Onion just had oh. a headline a little while ago. Yes. It's like... It's like Giancarlo Esposito added to cast, comic characters all fucked. <laughs> yes. But Gus Fring, one of the greatest bad guys mm. of all time, with a just a just a wonderfully woven confrontation with Hector Salamanca. Uh, if you remember the ringing of the bell, that explosion, what a fun fucking sequence. I rewatched it before this show. It's so wonderfully Coen Brothers-esque. I think that was always one of my favorite things about Breaking Bad. <laughs> it's, it's frank depiction of violence along with subtlety. Not a lot of shaky cam. Half of Gus fa- Gus's face being blown off. How well Walt sets all this shit up and leading us into the wonderful finale of a fifth season. Uh, but yeah, we're, the season four finale of Breaking Bad airs this week. Oh, and yeah. um, we also see the uh, debut of Enlightened, the Laura Dern show, 
Mm-hmm. Um, Mike is this White. The Mike created? White. Yeah. 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 Created by her and Mike White. Yeah. This is one that's been on my list for a while because, like, um, oh gosh, what is the one with White Lotus? No. Nope. Lisa Kudrow. Oh, oh the comeback. A, the yeah. comeback. Yes, mm-hmm. like the comeback. Enlightened is part of, I think, the uh, gay canon, and it's just been on my list for such a long time, and it's got such great reviews that I've been dying to watch it, but I haven't watched it yet. So please sound off in comments if people agree. Yeah, well, it's only two seasons, 18 episodes total, so you can Perf. blow through it like a really big miniseries. Love it. I, I think the title turned me off mm-hmm. just because it's kind of like why I never watched Silicon Valley, even though that's supposed to be so good. It's like, I live around too many of these fucking people. <laughs> I I don't want to see them humanized. I don't like them. They that's fair. suck. Just, you know, that she's like a, an executive who's like fallen apart. And then she like goes into like to uh, some sort of retreat and but like becoming self-actualized on her journey and I'm to like, live her truth fuck mm. you <laughs> yeah but you know i felt that way about bloodlines because the characters in bloodlines are basically everyone i grew up with and most of my family and uh i loved it so you know sometimes you like to see your people reflected terribly i, just, I wanted to see the location reflected that's the everybody in that show could have died in the first episode and i still would have watched bloodlines because mm-hmm. it looked it was so pretty to look at super hard pivot if you loved enlightened you'll hate last man standing <laughs> which, which Word. debuts this wow. week the, yeah it's the two genders it's, uh the tim allen and according uh, to tim allen there are only two problems. why is everybody so uptight why are republicans treated like Anne frank uh sitcom i don't know if the sitcom contains any of that i'm just not watching it um weird show that switched networks again i've never seen a frame of this um but I think I think I, I think uh, one of my buddies went to a taping because they were working with JTT, and JTT is now directing episodes of television and huh. had his directorial debut on Last Man. Just love the idea of like Tim Allen's son directing him on his new sitcom. That's the only thing I know about Last Man Standing. I do not know what the sh- the premise of the show actually is. Well, uh, the fact that you don't know about it proves that Tim Allen is very persecuted with his nine seasons oh, of Last Man Standing. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, Poor guy. And then one of my favorite episodes of everything, and I don't want to go off too hard, uh, go off too I'm hard on. I'm fine with going off because I think this is my favorite episode of one of my favorite shows it's, of all time. It's Ooh, one of my favorite episodes of Community, Remedial Chaos Theory, also known as the alternate timeline multiverse episode. But it also is showing like why Community was struggling to stay on NBC slash why shows got better once we got streaming networks because this is admittedly a very strange and high concept that I don't even know how you watch with commercials in it. There's a lot to remember <laughs> and for 20 minutes. At the beginning of the episode, the gang is all getting together to eat pizza. Who's going to go down and get the pizza? They can't decide. Jeff decides to do to roll dice. Uh, okay. Starting on my left with one, your number comes up, you go. Just so you know, Jeff, you were now creating six different timelines. Of course I am, Abed. <laughs> you will hear that line seven more times in the episode as you see where the dice rolls and what unfolds when someone leaves the room for five minutes. And it is one of the best written episodes of like network television I've ever seen that I don't think even I appreciated at the time. It's mind boggling. It is so intricately plotted. I remember seeing Dan Harmon posted a picture of a big whiteboard with just tons of characters and arrows and circles and stuff explaining, like trying to figure out because everyone needs something to do and things change based on who's there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if Shirley goes to 
get the pizzas, then they have a chance to have a conversation about how Shirley's baking has become an addiction that's out of control. <laughs> Whereas, you know, if someone else leaves, like, uh, well, if Annie leaves to go get the pizza, then her purse is sitting there and they can notice she has a gun in it. Then, Chekhov's gun. <laughs> I, I, I believe I heard Dan Harmon say this was sort of based on him playing um, the game Mass Effect, where huh. your choices and questions you ask characters change your outcome but you can still go back and reload your save so he started mm-hmm. thinking about like what if you could do that in real life and again all this is leading up to this guy creates rick and morty which like deals with this premise every single second of every episode now <laughs> <laughs> and, like alternate realities and choice and it, it's such a fucking wonderful episode for all the characters. Everybody yeah. gets great moments that move move their character forward. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult to remember. I just watched it before this, and it's difficult to remember what is canon and what isn't. But the best thing to take away from it, it's where we started saying this is the darkest timeline, mm-hmm. which I don't think we started mm-hmm. to say in earnest until 2014 and more in 2016. Mm-hmm. And it... uh also created the wonderful meme slash gif of Donald Glover walking into a flaming apartment where people are shot. When you when you enter a comment thread for, for, for after like three hours, there's so much of this this I think that lives on. People don't even remember how important this episode is. It's just it's just great. It's one of the first episodes mm-hmm. to take place entirely at a Greendale. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't take place at the yeah. community college. What's Really impressive. I did not realize where this was in the lineup in that the next episode we're going to talk about next week is also an anthology episode. It's the one where they're all telling spooky stories. So we get to see everyone's stories. So it's like to do that back to back of like, we're going to do something seven times is kind of crazy. I don't know if they planned that way. Every every time I start in the lineup, every time Uh, I start to watch it, I'm like, there's no way this can be interesting. And it always is. It like it, it all folds into one another, and it doesn't feel repetitive at all. And it's only twenty minutes. Good on Chris McKenna, the writer yeah. of the episode. Boom. Yeah, they have to get through seven different versions of this, plus the setup, which there's plenty of, and it's really funny in twenty minutes. I, I will and say, uh, it, it's like every version is funny in its own way, yeah. and. Yeah, the little domino type things that happen of just like, oh, and in this version, everyone's mad at each other. In this version, yeah, everything's fine. And, and, the, and if you've ever, and I don't recommend you do this, examine your role within your peer group. Oh, never like, do that. The, the little things that happen when, when you're not in the room to maybe be the cooler between these two people or the cock block between these two people. Mm. All these little nuances that I, I love this episode and I just will stress you're going to be tempted after hearing this to go back and show this to your maybe your partner who hasn't seen the show. I made the mistake of like showing my lady my favorite community episodes. Do not start with this one. This is because I it's it's really tough to you have to know the characters a little bit or where they are um, oh, in the story a little bit. It it required I just. I also watched it right before this, and I thought, like, you could come into this cold. It's definitely not as good. It does help Mm -hmm. to have some grounding in the characters, but enough is there that you can just accept, like, oh, yeah, Britta wants to go get high because she hates this party. Yes, and no matter matter what happens, no matter how much the timeline is altered, Pierce is going to bring up banging Eartha Kitt in an airplane bathroom because he (laughs) he was just going to do that no matter what. It, It was his plan all day. In and of itself, a great uh, reminder that some things are indelible in people's personalities. <laughs> well, it just, it, it also reminds of my patheticness if you've ever been trapped inside all day and like, I can't wait to say this one sentence to everybody and I hope I can contain myself once I'm, and he just can't. 
<laughs> Speaking of anything, did I tell... yeah, I, I love this fucking episode. It's very, very good. Um, so good. And again, very recommended. And and I've been recommending the show for years, and I've never gotten more like, oh, you're right about Community. Once it hit Netflix, and you can watch it, no commercials. You probably have Netflix. Please yeah. go check it out. Netflix or Amazon, I think. I think Amazon oh, okay. still has it too, and it might have the Dungeons and Dragons censored episode. Ooh, okay. Ooh, if I remember correctly. Oh, I yep. wish that wasn't. Man, there's so many fun games out this week in terms of 2011. You got uh, Ace Combat Assault Horizon, which has Jesus, one of my favorite air shooting airplane themes ever. I do love at the end of the game you you pressed your triangle to raise your fist in the air, and that's how the game ends. <laughs> Um, uh, Dead uh, Dead Rising 2 off the record Aliens Infestation a great way forward 2D Aliens game for the uh, DS I think it might be out on Amazon Gaming now there's uh, you can get remakes of uh, Guardian Heroes which is great it was a game obscure game on Saturn you can finally get an Xbox Live uh, as well as Murder MDK2 HD is out on PC in a Big week for Xbox with Forza Motorsport 4, but also for Connect, we have Sesame Street's Once Upon a Monster, Double Fine making a, an exclusive Sesame Street game. And I'll I'll never forget uh, my buddy uh, my buddy Hollander Cooper reviewing it for Games Radar, gave it an eight, but also got to have one of the characters from the game singing about the number, and it was just the count right underneath <laughs> the score, like eight, eight, eight is great. You can throw it this way. You can it looks the same upside down. Uh but it <laughs> Fucking awesome. And if you've ever seen me post that picture of Hulk Hogan strangling me, it was in promotion for the game Hulk Hogan's Main Event, a WWE license-free motion waggle wrestling game for Kinect uh, that he made and everyone but Dave probably forgot about. Um, but we'll talk more about that on Patreon.com slash later time. Again, bear with us as I heal up. And right now it hurts to sit here, let alone edit. So I feel like I've not had full use of my torso in a month. I'm getting kind of tired of this. Like, just take control of my body away from me and let me <laughs> lie down at my desk like George Jetson or back the fuck off life. Uh, but <laughs> we have plenty more Patreon content coming to you, including um, 302010 shows all about 302010. It's just uh, got to get in there and edit them. Uh, Di, where can people find you at? They can find me on the Twitter at ListenAnerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. Coming up next week, oh my god, we have so much going on. Do we? We really, really do. We have Vanilla Ice's starring vehicle. Dude, mm. that movie is really great. If you think you've seen it, you haven't. It's wonderful. Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix doing a light Shakespeare adaptation. Why not? Then we have uh, the movie that Sarah was confusing with Boys in the Hood. But this time it's about True Barrymore in Cars. <laughs> <laughs> we got a movie with James Gandolfini. He's not playing a gangster. The dumbest adaptation of The Three Musketeers. <laughs> Which is oh, saying boy. a lot. Oh, and boy. for spooky season, just in 2001, we have a one-two punch of uh, an Alan Moore adaptation about right. Jack the Ripper and David Lynch going so hard on Dream Logic that uh, he makes Naomi Watts a star. So, oh, oh cannot boy. wait for that. A fucking masterpiece that one is. Holy oh, shit. and Ethan Hawke is getting animated. Oh boy. <gasps> Oh, oh we got so much. Oh I gotta start watching Lord. shit right now. Oh, yeah. Dick Link, I love you. But who died during this period of 3029? Uh, all right. Well, as we get into births and deaths, the only death I found is in 1991, like we talked about five, four weeks ago, mm -hmm. Red Fox, who's 68. I thought we talked about him last week. We didn't? No. Okay. No, we talked about the royal family debuting a couple weeks ago. Right, but yeah. And then Red Fox passed away uh, having a heart attack on set. Yeah. 
And yes, people thought he was joking, but it wasn't live. It wasn't while the, the show was filming, so it's not on tape. But with the deaths out of the way, who 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 are the men and women who lived? Birthdays. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Six this year. Born October 14th, 1965 in Middleton, England. He's one of six kids. His dad was an engineer at IBM. Two of those other kids also went into show business. Uh, he was rejected by practically every drama school in London and then started working as a stand-up and doing voice work. His breakout character was a working-class Manchester bloke originally called Duncan Disorderly. <laughs> Why he didn't keep that name, I, I don't get it. It's pretty good. It. Simon Pegg. No. We already had him, didn't we? I think we did. Yeah. Uh, movies of his we have talked about include he played Hades in Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. He's in The Other Guys, The Night Museum films. Michael Sheen? Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan! Boom! Wow. Boom. Wait, he's only 56? He's only 56. Yep. Wow. He's also in Marie Antoinette, Hot Fuzz, In the Loop, Our Idiot Brother, Tropic Thunder, Hamlet 2, and you, you want a factoid that will give you nothing except joy and you can never use ever? Even Always. At cocktail parties? Steve Coogan's mom's maiden name is Coonan. <laughs> it was the Coonan Coogan wedding. Oh. I love it. I bet she hyphenates her name and her friend called her Cooney Coo. Cuckoo. <laughs> Cuckoo. Cuckoo. Um, you yep. can say Cooney Coo in England without anybody judging you. <laughs> just turned her head. Uh, yeah, uh, Paul Calf is like the, the loudish character that was popular before Alan Partridge. I don't know why he didn't keep the name Duncan Disorderly. That is really so good. good. That is really good. That's really good. I think I'm going to change my Xbox Live name. That is pretty good. <laughs> Woo! Ah, well, it's been a real rough week for me. Thanks to everyone for your support. Thanks for your financial support at patreon.com slash laser time. Consider donating five bucks. You will get at least two bonus shows a month from your friends at 302010. More, given how the backlog is right now. Uh, we do appreciate your continued support. What are we going out with? I thought we'd go out with some John Mellencamp off of uh, that album, Get a Leg Up. Sure. Sounds kind of like a like a softer version of an ACDC song. Okay. Like, I can't explain why I feel this way, but it's fun. So, yeah, let's go for it. All right. Well, take us out, Johnny. Get a leg up.